Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome back to another week of our current sermon series called Grace Under Fire. And if you're listening via our podcast, thanks for joining us. And we hope that this message is going to help you take your next step closer to Jesus together. You know, throughout our series, we've talked about different ways that grace functions in our lives. And oftentimes this grace is felt in the midst of when we are in the middle of the fire. You all remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And how they were in that fiery furnace. And it was there that Jesus, the Lord, showed up. So much so that Nebuchadnezzar says, who's the fourth guy in there? And he looks like the Lord. It's oftentimes in the fire where we find God's grace. It's often in the fire that God refines me, refines my faith develops things in me that I had no idea needed to be developed. See, we all go through seasons like that, don't we? The seasons of where we really feel vulnerable and weak. It could be a season where you are struggling physically, or you're struggling emotionally, or you're struggling mentally, or even feeling spiritually weak. And either way, God says that His strength is made perfect in my human weakness, in your human weakness. His grace is always sufficient in any and in every situation, in every season that we go through. Today we're going to dive into a section of, of the Apostle Paul's story where we see him going through the fire, so to speak, where he's being refined by what the Lord's doing in his life. Now, although Paul was, he had a miraculous and powerful testimony, he also had a really ugly past. I mean, he was the guy that was going around with the authority, so to speak, like a badge on his chest, with the authority of the state to go, not only harass, but to torture and if imprison and sometimes kill, because they were... Christians who believed in the way, who believed in Jesus. And because of that, they really hated him. And he struggled, especially when he went through a transformation on the road towards the city of Damascus. So let's look at Paul's life here. Let's jump into 2 Corinthians we're going to be looking at this thing about the thorn in, in Paul's flesh. Starting at verse 1. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. So he's going here and he's saying, what, what's this boasting Paul's talking about? Let me give you a little backstory. He's talking about, I've had incredible visions. I've actually have been into the third heaven. He's going to get into all that stuff. He says, listen, I, I've got the goods. I have all the spiritual goods that I can brag to each and every one of you. But he's saying here, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. 
Verse 2, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Did you know that there's more than one heaven? The Apostle Paul tells us there are three. We can dig into that another day. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows, Paul says. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. Real quick, I got a feeling people are probably, what does he mean about third heaven? Let me, let me give you the quick version on that and we'll come back, okay? So a little, little sidestep here. Um, the three heavens is one is where all the birds are at. They fly up in the heavens. The next one would be what we call the cosmos. Okay, that's where the planets are at. That's considered a heaven. And the third one is where our Lord and Savior is. Okay? So let's head on back. I didn't want you guys to be scratching your heads wondering, what was that all about? Verse 5. That experience is worth boasting about. He's saying, look it, I've, I've seen the third, uh, the third heavens. I've, I've been, I get it all. I've got stuff that is just, I can't even, I don't even have a, a language to express what I have seen, what God has shown me. And he's like going, uh, uh, you know what? That's nothing. That experience is, is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my, say it with me, weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it. Because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, now that's key. I've had this incredible, miraculous thing happen in my life. I've seen signs and wonders. I've seen miracles. I've seen healings. I've seen visions about heaven. I've got, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses? Wow. Why does he say that? Even that though I may, even though I have received such wonderful revelations, so to keep me from becoming proud. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I... I know, sweetie. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Did you catch that? Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. strong. Now, no one knows exactly what the thorn in the flesh was for Paul. Some are, and it's all speculation, some say that he might have had an issue with his eyesight because on the road to Damascus he was blind, that he had the scales on his eyes, that maybe he had trouble with his eyesight that he really couldn't see well. Can you imagine traveling and basically hiking everywhere you went and you couldn't see a rock or a pebble or whatever or a stick? Can you imagine the suffering you would have when you traveled that much as he did? 
That would be horrible. Somebody else said that maybe it could be, you know, this emotional guilt that he had from all that he had done wrong. And he was struggling that everywhere he went, some, you're the murderer. And he had to struggle with his reputation when he had been already had been transformed. There are a lot of different speculations, but here's the thing I want to focus on. Do you have something in your life that you don't want anybody to know about? It's enough that God knows. That's what's going on here. It's so private, it's so personal, that only him and God know about it. You got anything like that in your life? Anybody? And Paul's saying, I got something like that in my life. And I, don't, I want you to know I've got it, but I don't want you to know what it is. What does that mean? He's human just like you and me. God's grace sustains us each and every day. There are some specific responses I believe that are really important that I want to talk about. One of them is, notice Paul, because of this, he has deepened himself in his prayer life. Paul says right before the climatic part of this passage, he says in verse 8, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Church, when was the last time you wanted something so bad that you actually begged for it? Now, you know what I'm talking about. Have you seen the kids at Christmas? Dad, if you just give me this bike, Dad, if you just buy me this Xbox or this PS, Dad, if you just, I will never, ever, in the rest of all my life, I will never ask for anything else. Anybody? Anybody got that kid in your house? Isn't that funny? We, when we really want something, we don't stop asking for it either. Every day at dinner, every time, we keep bugging and bugging. Why? Because we're being persistent. We're passionate about this thing. And he was so desperate. He was so desperate. He wasn't just requesting and asking of God. He's literally begging God to take it away from him. Wow. We all probably were like that when we were younger, begging but what about when you got older? Did you ever beg God? We're so desperate. I'll never ask you for another thing, God, if you'll just do this one thing. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I promise you, I'll go to church every single day. If the door is open, I'm going. I promise. Just do this. There's desperation in that. Paul says he cried out to the Lord in prayer three different times, begging. Why? Well, we can assume that whatever it was, that it was painful enough or that it was limiting enough to him or that it was so heavy on his spirit, whatever it was, he was willing to beg for it. 
And all that to say, my question for us today is, are we reaching out to God for the right things? Or are we reaching out to God for things that are strictly about me, myself, and I? There's a, a real frequent scripture that's really misunderstood at times. Go with me to John chapter 14, verse 13. And it says, this is, this is the Lord says, you can ask for anything in my name. Now catch that part, in my name, and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. If we had a, a surface level understanding of this verse, we could really be confused about what this really is trying to say. Lord, all I have to do is ask in your name. Lord, I want a beautiful yacht. I want a yacht for everybody in my family. I want a, I want a villa in Italy. Lord, I want my own private this and my, You see where I'm going with this? But that scripture is not being understood correctly. What is he really trying to say? If you are in perfect agreement with the Spirit, asking that which the Spirit himself would ask, then whatever you ask in the Spirit, by the Spirit, for the Spirit, for thy kingdom come, thy will be done, it's going to happen. But when I do it all for the me, myself, and I kingdom, God never answers those prayers. I just get upset with him about that. Why not? Because you're not God, Marvin. And neither are you. But when my will and my way is lined up with His will, His way, I can pray anything. And that will come. Why? Because I'm praying His will and I'm praying His way. I'm praying His timing. If we had a, a, a moment, we could go back and we could understand something about Paul. Paul was an apostle. I don't think it's a far stretch to say Paul knew how to pray in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? He's an apostle. He wrote half of the New Testament. So if he's praying in the name of Jesus and he's not getting breakthrough, what's the problem? It's not that he's not praying in the name of Jesus. It's that there is a will, there is a purpose that's not lining up with the will and the purpose of God. And he's figuring this out. I believe Jesus is helping us to see that asking something to be done in his name is asking in accordance with the Lord's will and his plan. Let's look at Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. One of the problems we have is sometimes we think that it's really our thoughts that matter. But here's what Isaiah says, the prophet, in verse 8. And this is Isaiah communicating the voice of God. So the words are actually from the Lord Himself. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, Marvin, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Did you catch that? They're higher. Have you ever been in a situation when you're looking at a little child, or maybe your, your grandchild, or maybe one of your children, 
And you're looking at them and you've got decades of life experience and understanding. And they're looking at you as though if you're crazy, you don't get it. You don't understand, mom. You don't get it, dad. Ay, my abuela, you don't understand. You can't even use a mouse. And you look at them. And you say, one day, one day, when you're my age, you'll understand. I wasn't being mean. I wasn't being stubborn. I understood something you didn't understand. Because I already went through the fire. And I'm trying to help you to avoid going through the fire. Well, that's the voice of God who's was saying, listen, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your understanding is not my understanding. I actually look outside of the realm of time. And I'm telling you, listen. Listen to my voice, child. And you'll avoid all that extra pain and suffering. See, it's God's grace that sustains us each and every day. Here's another specific response I believe is important to look at. That we can find true strength in our weaknesses. Now that just seems so backwards. It's during the difficult, the hard season that we find out where true strength actually comes from. It seems to be the climax in 2 Corinthians, the passage we just read, when Paul writes the Lord's response to Paul's prayer. So this is God speaking. In verse 9, he had said, My grace is all you need, and my power works best in weakness. What an unbelievable promise that it's God's grace that we truly have all that we need. The greatest picture of this grace can be seen in the crucifixion and in the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was humiliated. He was abandoned. He was eventually executed. All by the hands of the very same people who he was trying to save by the blood of Jesus. It was grace that sustained Jesus. When the journey became so unbearable that he was praying and literally the bible says there were droplets of blood coming down his face he was sweating blood sweating blood he didn't want to do it but what did he say not my will but thy will be done move the cup i don't want it no your will lord i trust you Paul also experienced God's strength amidst his own weaknesses. He was able to boast all the more about his weaknesses instead of his strength. In fact, it is spiritually dangerous when we feel like our own strength is enough. Have you ever been there? Hey, Christian, you've been doing this Jesus thing for like half a century. You're super strong in your Jesus stuff. You know more verses than even the pastor does. You know Greek and all that kind of stuff. You even know the names of resources like lexicon and all that kind. You, you're smart. Are you so smart that you don't need Jesus anymore? 
Have you really listened to the way you pray? Is it just rote? Be with my spouse, be with my kids, help me today. God bless, good God, good food, amen, let's eat. Are you just going through the motion? Do you remember what it was like when you were a child, when you first got saved, and when you began to pray? It was so intense. It was so real. It was so raw. It was authentic. The passion. And now it's like, well, I'm so smart with myself. Be careful. Be careful. See, that kind of a mindset can be really dangerous. Please hear me when I say this. You and I, man, if we're left to ourselves, we're not strong enough to accomplish anything noteworthy of the kingdom of God. But with God's help, Anything is truly possible. I mean, matter of fact, in John chapter 15, verse 5, it's there, he says, apart from me, apart from the vine, right? He says this, apart from me, you can do nothing, Marvin. Nothing. See, that kind of mindset helps us persevere through the pain of our lives when we just fall on Him. When I don't know how tomorrow's going to happen. I don't know about the retirement. I don't know about our business. I don't know about my job. I don't know about the kids. I, 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 I don't know. But I know him who does. Because I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not bright enough. I'm not skilled enough. But he is. And I bow my knee to him. Each and every time. His grace is sufficient. So are we or are you willing to make this decision as well to lean on him? Maybe the persecution we face today isn't like what Paul faced. But for us, instead of getting upset with someone who simply won't believe the same things we believe or won't vote the way we vote, that we can show them the same grace that has been lavished upon us. Be honest with you, I'm, I just can't wait for heaven because I'm sick of politics. Don't get me wrong. I had a thought today, I was just driving to work, and I had some coins. And I, and I looked at them, I go, Wait a minute, if this is supposed to be we the people, why do we put president's heads on our coins and our currency? Why are we highlighting people if it's for we the people? Isn't that interesting? Lord, help us. Why aren't we just celebrating Jesus? Something to think on. Again, when we are weak, then we actually are strong. Jesus said we need to have the faith of a child. That is such a hard concept when we're weak, then we're strong. So, so let me give this, I, I, this concept. 
the disciples are getting all flustered because the kids are all coming up to Jesus. And he says, you know, leave them alone. And then he says this, if you, you need to have the faith of a child. What? Guys, I know you're adults. I know you're all grown up and you got facial hair and everything. But guess what? You're weak. What do you mean? It's the kids. They have all the strength. When you have childlike faith, then you're strong. Now you're adult, grown-up faith. Be like the kid. What does that mean? There's no fear. There's no questioning. That child, when he is on the edge of the pool and he jumps out to daddy, what does that child know? That dad's going to catch me. I'm not going to drown. Here I come, Dad! But we don't jump off the edge to the Lord's hands. We need childlike faith to believe for the impossible. As we close today, maybe the, maybe the comment made by Jesus to Paul is the very thing you need to recite constantly this coming week. That God's grace is all I need. That God's grace is all I need. So many of us are striving and striving for more and more. And deep down, we truly believe that we could just be better, do better, have better, then somehow God would be more pleased with us. If that's your mindset, then you're naturally viewing weakness as a hindrance, as a roadblock to achieving whatever you want to achieve. And that's backwards. But what if that's not the way God works? What if God want, what God wants for your life is not what you want because what you want is actually just too small? What if God is already as pleased and as proud of you as he could possibly be and he doesn't need you to do stuff to make him more proud of you? Our weakness, our sufferings, our struggles keep us humble. They keep us dependent on him. You know, it's an interesting thing you know, grandbabies Calvin in Iowa and little Ava here. We got to keep her overnight on Friday. And she's just, she owns the house. I mean, it's just the way it goes. How many know I'm talking about grandbabies? Yeah. She doesn't clean. She doesn't cook. She doesn't do anything. And I look at her and I'm thrilled she can't do anything to make me more happy. I just walk into the room. She catches my eyes and smiles at me. I'm like, whatever you want, it's yours, baby. <laughs> Are you catching grace? It's not based on what you do. It's based on the fact that God loves you. It's it. It's like a grandpa's or a mom's love, a dad's love. It's just based on relationship. Not based on what you do. Doesn't mean we don't do. 
It just means that what I do, it doesn't make God love me more or love me less. His grace is with you. His grace is for you. And His grace sustains you. And His grace is amazing. Father, I pray for people today that maybe they're struggling. Because life's hard. And they, Lord, it's easy to beat Beat, us, beat ourselves up. I could have done this. I should have done this. If I only would have done that. And Lord, we get completely beaten up by woulda, coulda, shoulda. Lord, I pray that we would understand that God's grace really is sufficient. We don't need to beat ourselves up. We need to lean on you and trust you. Lord, even handing out a flyer or inviting somebody. Well, I'm not the best Christian. I I really shouldn't be doing that. And we find a reason to miss out on being a part of the kingdom of God. Because the same grace that God offers you, he wants to offer to those you care and love. Lord, use us. Use us to reach out to somebody to share. God's grace is enough. And it's for you, not just me. Bless your people, Lord, I pray. Fill them. Fill them, Lord. With your peace. With your hope. With your goodness. Your will, your way, and your time. Your grace. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin, thanking you for taking the time to join us.